You survived another week. Yeah, you did. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Urban Shooter, the Black Man with the Gun podcast. Yeah, baby. Security. Dear Barbara, Black Man with a Gun versus Urban Shooter podcast. Ken Blanchard live. Zombie strike number 90. Your emails. What's going on with Maryland and the gun laws? And more. Coming up on episode 227 of the new Black Man with a Gun podcast. Of the new. CrossbreedHolsters.com presents the Black Man with a Gun podcast. With your friend and brother from a different mother, Ken Blanchard. Blanchard. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome. And thank you for listening. Really. I'm Ken Blanchard, the host of Black Man with a Gun podcast. It's, I got some explaining to do. I want to thank you for taking the time out to listen to the podcast. Thank you for checking out KenNBlanchard.com. Thank you for checking out the forums, forum.KenBlanchard.com. Thank you for being a part of the Urban Shooter Association. Thank you for just being my friend. No, I'm not a golden girl. What I'm trying to tell you is that I've been going through some stuff. And not like anybody else isn't either. But when you're a, a voice on the radio, a voice on a podcast, a voice on the computer, you get a chance to share, whether you like it or not, some of the stuff that's going on inside my head. Well, I'm all better now. Let me tell you what happened. I'm right at the turning point of my life. I call this Ken 4.0. Usually every decade or so of your life, you or I have been involved in something cool, something different, something that changes me, makes me better. Well, in the last couple of weeks and months, I've been trying to figure out this next stage. Now, I've been working in or for the government since about 1981. Long time. If I was still in the federal government, I could probably retire soon. I got that itch. I'm also a full-time Christian pastor at a really small but growing church in Washington, D.C. That takes up a lot of mental and spiritual energy. And sometimes, not sometimes, all the time, it can get me down. It's a great job. It's a rewarding job. It's a job that has benefits in the hereafter. And it's the hardest job I probably ever had. Why? Because I have to lead without uh, without showing my warts. I'm going to have to be on top of my game because when I walk in the door, I am the pastor. I can go from grieving with somebody to praising and being glad for a birth of a child. It's a roller coaster ride. It's an odd job. I'm really suited for it, but it takes its toll when I'm doing other things. I do this podcast to continue my gun activism in a different way. I try to add all the elements of life for the gun rights person, all the elements of life for the family person, all the elements to make you laugh, to make you think, to make you smile, to get you through another week. And it might not actually talk about guns, but it's for the pro-gun people. I've been in some skirmishes in my life. I've been through some very hard times. And some of the stuff that I've done, I can't really talk about. So, I skirt the issue. I fill in the blanks. While one person is talking about M&Ps and H&Ks, I'm talking about L-I-F-E. I want you to be a great father. I want you to be an outstanding mother. I want your children to be whole and together. I want freedom in your neighborhood. I want the PTA to be the bomb. I want everything to be just so great in your life. 
even though you're a pro-gun person. We're deeper, we're more than just gun people. We're citizens of the United States and Canada and, and the world. We're citizens of our community. We're responsible people. We're the people you can trust. So I try to make sure that I build you up, that I inspire you, that I give you something to keep going. That's what I'm good at. The bad part was I got kind of twisted and I got caught up in the one-man band of being webmaster and SEO and business person and trying to compete with bloggers and and all that stuff to keep the site going. And it was tough. It was tough. And I was frustrated because I don't really care about money, but I have to ask for it or I go belly up. I've tried to sell stuff to keep moving. And I had a small success, my business model being um, nonprofit public radio, where I asked for donations. And I got um, a handful of people, praise the Lord, that actually helped me call the Urban Shooter Association. That's what it's all about. But the light came on just recently when I went to the pool. Yeah, my son said, hey, Dad, let's go to the pool. We haven't been to the pool in forever since before he went to college. He's home for the summer. So he and I went to the little neighborhood pool. And in my stressful sense, in the way I was all jacked up, anxiety and a mess, I jumped in the water. Was going to do a couple of laps and then take a break. But I beat the water. I slapped the water. I kicked the water. I tried to get from one end of the pool to the other. And I tired my fool self out so fast that I scared myself. I thought, I'm a really good swimmer. And then I remembered something. You cannot beat water into submission. I am like the man from Atlantis. Once I get near a body of water, it does something for me. It replenishes me. It gives me things to think about. I started just floating, relaxing, going with the flow, doing what I do well. And what happened? I started swimming faster, smoother, smooth as fast. That's really evident in the water. And I thought, what else in my life am I stressing over? Am I going crazy over this podcast, this blog, all this stuff? No matter how much you beat the water, you will not submit. It will not submit to your will. The best you can do is to work with it. Yeah. Might not mean a thing to you, but it was like a a bell ringing off in my head. So I got to make some changes, small changes. And the rest, let it go and go with the flow. Black Man with a Gun podcast versus Urban Shooter podcast. Alphabetically, which one is atop? The B, the Black Man with a Gun. Looking at the shock value of the words, which one raises your eye? The first is just that simple. Doing that. For a minute, I almost was getting ready to stop the podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. For real, Slim. But I remembered something. It's not about me all the time. I got a purpose here. I've been saying it forever. I'm the pastor of patriots, pistoleros, and paladins. The good guys. I'm the friar tuck in this Sherwood forest. I'm the pistol packing preacher. There is a spot for me, even though nobody knows what it is. That's, the, that's been the hardest thing. How do you market yourself? 
can't beat the water. So I'm not going to try anymore. I got a chance to go to the Bahamas and marry a couple. That same couple I gave counseling to. That same couple I traveled out to their home and dedicated and blessed their baby. I am becoming an integral part of their family. There is a beautiful couple that had me write words for their, they were spoken at their wedding from this listening audience. There's another couple who I married aboard a sailboat in Annapolis that listened to the show. That is my place. That is where I get my strength from. That is how I help the most. So I'm working with a video and created something I call Ken Blanchard Live, thanks to input from a few folks on Facebook on which title was better. And I'm going to try to do some video that includes stuff from all the other podcasts. And maybe eventually it will be the only thing I do, a video show. And I'm, I want to move. I want to have, um, when I'm talking to somebody, I want you to be able to see them. Like Larry King. If I travel to somewhere funky, I want you to see that. Video has to be kind of short right now because of the space and all that, but I'm sure it will get all worked out here shortly. And as I learn stuff, you'll see it. That's what's happening. And since money really isn't an issue for me, I'm going to start this as a nonprofit. That's my next thrust. I'm trying to get some folks to help me with some seed money because it's going to cost money to do this thing right. But I'm going to be the Billy Graham of the gun world. I want to be able to travel to Texas, to Ohio, to California, to Arizona, to Florida in my little RV to be at your rallies, to be at our conventions, to be at our annual meetings, to, to be at our fundraisers for you. That's my goal. That's, that's my purpose. That's who I am. And that's what I'm working on. It's going to be a nonprofit because it's going to be a religious charity, actually. Mm -hmm. And if you've listened to the Urban Shooter podcast, if you've listened to me over the last four years, if you've known me for a while, you know that I live this Christian thing to the letter. Uh-oh, what you talking about, Ken? I'm talking about this, to love my neighbor as myself. That means you might not be of the same faith as me. You might not be of the same doctrine as me. You might not even look like me. But I can still love you. Ah, oh, snooky, snooky. We're getting heavy now, right? But that's me, Doc. And I want to keep on helping. I want to get a crew of people. Remember, it's a nonprofit. We're going to help folks. When my brothers get out of Diego or Garcia or you get off the sandbox or you come home and you're looking for a job, I want to be one of those guys you can send a resume to and I'll have a crew of people who will look for openings for you while you're looking to just be your ears and eyes on the ground. I know how hard it is to find a job out here. When you're going through something with your spouse and you want to talk to somebody who won't blab it on the podcast, who will actually pray for you, who actually care about what you think and, and do. I'm right here. Mm, it's a whole different thing, right? And when we're sitting around at your lodge, we're about to go hunt some prairie dogs or do something like really cool. Or maybe we're riding our Harley somewhere. We're just riding the bikes through the streets. I'm with you. That's my mission. That's what I'm working on. And if you don't believe, because I got about a handful of people 
who have contacted me. I mean, and they got some balls. I mean, because they actually said one guy say he's a Satanist, one's an atheist, one's an agnostic, and a couple of just really intelligent folks who like to fight verbally and tell me what they believe, which is cool. I'm still your friend and your brother. Mmm, that's different, huh? I know. That's where I'm going. Stop beating the water. I ain't worrying about the SEO, the PEO, and the TTO, and the LMO. I don't care. I'm going to just keep on writing because I love writing. I'm going to try to get my blog even better. If I can make some money with advertisement, great. If I can't, no big deal. Not going to hustle. Going to go with the flow. I'm going to have fun, doggone it. Because that's Ken 4.0. Because you know what I know? What I know? I'm a really good speaker. I know that. Entertainer. A great cheerleader, like somebody said from the VCDL. Because after you've been kicked in the butt, smashed in the teeth, put down by the world, somebody has to pick you up, lift you up, prop you up, hold you up, so that you can fight one more round. That's my job. And I gladly accept it. We're going to get John Wayne in here to do the Pledge of Allegiance. And I just want to tell you one more thing before we get episode 227 rolling. I love you. And there's not a darn thing you can do about it. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, I'm going to pause for a little bit with some commercials. The first by my major and only sponsor, CrossbreedHolsters.com, and then some people that I support that I've done commercials for them for free. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget, CrossbreedHolsters.com. HagerWatches.com. In a northwestern city of Maryland, known as Hagerstown, a new watch company begins. The watch is called Hogger. It is designed by a U.S. veteran, a watch aficionado, a patriot that wanted to leave his mark in history, offering a quality watch for the active person that didn't break the bank. Automatic movement, water resistant to three atmospheres. The Commando features a unique fighting knife logo on the back and the Urban Commando look. It's not too big and looks at home both in the office or in the field. HoggerWatches.com. Get yours today. Triggers, sights, plugs, porting, barrels, slides, springs, grips, laser engraving, and more. LoneWolfDist.com. In 1986, I was introduced to the Glock 17 Safe Action Pistol at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. Like Henry Ford's Model T, you could get your new purchase in only one color, one configuration. Today, there is Lone Wolf Distributors, the world's largest distributors of Glock accessories. You can tattoo, improve, customize, accessorize, and glamorize your Glock today like never before. Check out the catalog for yourself at LoneWolfDist.com. That's LoneWolfDist.com. You're listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast. 
from KenBlanchard.com. If you want to call Ken, you can leave a message toll-free in the U.S. at 888-675-0202 or contact him at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Hey, security used to be my thing. I was good at it. I protected whole families in hostile places without interfering into their personal life. It was exhausting. At times, it was unappreciated. Until my test came, which they had always came. And after I adverted harm, I became part of that family. I've done the Secret Service thing with the earpieces and the blue lights. Come to think of it, I miss those blue lights. I miss the advanced trips, the working the hot seat, missing the preparation for presidential visits and the wheels-up parties afterwards. I miss standing around in garages and bushes on roofs and cars and walking around huge estates with fully automatic machine guns. Psych. No, I don't. I got carried away there for a moment. I don't miss that stuff. I was a ninja in a suit that thought I could be doing something else here. Because folks thought I was a butler or valet or driver of some personal of influence. But I was a professional. I led teams and created programs that still exist today for some people. What I don't get, though, as I sit back here in the palatial basement studios of the Blanchard Estates here under the washer and the dryer is how that guy, Jonathan May Bowles, a.k.a. Johnny Marbles, got that close to a billionaire like Rupert Murdoch. Dude got a chance to throw a cream pie in the man's face. And his beautiful wife had to be the protector. I got calls soon after this thing hit the news. Folks that knew me back in the day pined philosophically that, dude, wouldn't even have made it if you were still on the team. Yeah, I know. You'd have heard that dude that got sued. Uh, he'd have been in court suing Murdoch for how somebody hurt him way before he got close to that room. But that's how it happens. And then I'd have got a chance to talk to the principal and tell him all that happened while he was doing this hearing that we had to take care of a zealous person. But before I get into all that, if you missed it, the media mogul guy, Robert Murdoch, was in a hearing in uh, the House of Commons back in, in Great Britain over some privacy issues and alleged illegal activities and conduct of his media company. And Commons is kind of like our Congress, the government. And uh, this dude got through and threw one of those Three Stooges-style vaudeville pies of shaving cream on a pie plate, trying to throw it into the face of this rich 80-year-old dude as he was seat, seated in his hearing. And the dude got by armed security, magnetometers, and all that. And wearing a pink suit jacket, his beautiful wife, Wendy, who will most likely be played by the Lucy Lou, is 42 and married to this dude for 12 years, got two kids. She got to the bad guy before anybody else did. Tried to kick his tail. Yeah. She's more than just a pretty face, too. I mean, she's actually a Yale University Business School grad. Mother of two kids. Now, that's hot. Can I hear somebody now hollering, security? So if you're in the security business, the protective security types, I'm sure there's some job vacancies open right now with the Murdoch company. Might want to check that out. Tell them Kim Blanchard sent you. Our friend Barbara is going to start a new feature here on Black Man the Gun podcast called Dear Barbara, where, well, she'll explain what she's going to do herself. Hey, Barbara. Hey, Black Man with a Gun. This is Barbara Baird, Women's Outdoor News. Last week, I responded to Leroy Williams' request for advice on how to get his female friend, a fence straddler, acquainted with the shooting skills. 
We've already heard back from him, and he was grateful for the advice. So the pastor of Pistoleros and I decided to offer a special service to those of you out there who may be struggling with how to get the women in your lives interested in using firearms for recreation or self-defense or both. We're going to call it Dear Barbara. Here's a question I get all the time because I'm also an NRA-certified pistol instructor. Dear Barbara, why do you teach women to shoot? Don't we have enough hormone-crazed women running around with guns anyway? Bubba. Dear Bubba, no, we don't. That's the short answer. Here's the long one. Dear Bubba, I like to teach women to shoot because I love to see the light come on in their eyes when they get it when they realize that not only have they learned how to manipulate a tool that can bring hours of enjoyment and open new worlds to them on shooting ranges and in hunting fields, but also they just tackled the age-old stereotype that women are no good at mechanical concepts. If a woman takes a firearms course from me or any other NRA-certified instructor, she should be able to walk up to any gun counter in the entire world and practice safe gun handling skills. She also should be able to practice these skills at a range. And she will have learned the anatomy of the gun for which she took the class, whether it's a shotgun, rifle, or pistol. In fact, she'll soon realize that they share many of the same parts, and she can converse intelligently about these parts. For most women, learning to shoot a gun is as important as learning to drive a standard transmission. And I hope you dads of teenage girls are paying attention here. Some of them will never buy a car with a clutch. But by God, if they should ever need to escape in one, they'll know how to punch it and get the heck out of there. So if the woman decides, even though she's taken a firearms course, that carrying concealed is just not for her, or if she works in a place where she cannot carry concealed and she's having lunch somewhere and a miscreant comes in and wants to get famous by cowardly criminal actions, then at least she will know she will have had that training. That person is shooting a semi-auto. Let's see. Is it time to reload? Hmm. That's when I make my first move to save myself. She'll have knowledge. As for the hormone-induced craziness part, let's not even go there except for this tidbit. Let's stack up the number of men committing violent acts to the number of women, as recorded in FBI files. And, well, we've got a little more crazy to go here to catch up. Meanwhile, how about this idea? You're a guy and you like to shoot. When was the last time you asked your mom, your wife, your girlfriend, your daughter, a female colleague colleague to visit the range with you? You see, most women will not go uninvited any more than we'd stop in at the Royal Order of the Moose Lodge on a Friday night for happy hour. I hope this helps you, Bubba, because, you know, I've seen guys like you at the range and believe me, you need to practice your breath control and sight alignment a little more. Remember, in shooting, flow is fast. If you have a question for Dear Barbara, please send it to me at my Facebook page for Women's Outdoor News. And, of course, you may see phenomenal women shooters and read their stories at womensoutdoornews.com. Thanks, Ken. Hey, and you're welcome. Like uh, Paris Hilton would say, that's hot. I want to transition here for a hot second and talk about some gun rights. You know that uh, I was in New Jersey a couple of weeks ago, and New Jersey and Maryland are a lot alike, but there are some ways that we're different too. They're a lot bigger state. We don't have a um, FOID card like they do in Illinois, where you have to have a firearms ID card before you can purchase or buy anything. That's that's one of the biggies. Almost everything else is just as jacked up though. So in Maryland. You don't need a permit to purchase. You don't need to register your firearms. You don't need a licensed owner, and you don't need a permit. Well, we do have shall issue, but it's like they shall not issue you squat. That's pretty much how it works. Maryland is a really a cool spot. I mean, I just got back from the bay out in Patuxent River and a little southern part of Maryland out there fishing. It's one of the things I love to do, again, Get me back to the water and I'm good to go. I get refreshed, even though I kind of look like a brownie right now. Um, it was like being cooked. I mean, you had the one cup of butter. That was the, um, what's that lotion you call that suntan and stuff? The um, sun protective junk. I had that on me. 
I'm already kind of sweet, so I didn't need no sugar. The four eggs, that's me. And I'm all Hershey cocoa, special dark chocolate. Yeah. It was like an ingredient for making brownies. And then you just bake it for like temperature 350 degrees. That was pretty much how it was today. It was hot as an oven out there. So I'm nice and uh, Hershey special dark cocoa brown right now. So I'm, I'm your brownie right now. Talking about brownies, I got them. Something about brownies right now. I, I went and bought these brownies from uh, some gourmet joint in Virginia. It had like peanut butter in it. Oh my goodness, they were good. I got this brownie thing going on, which is not going to help my running. I did, and uh, Nick sent me a note from uh, Daniel Shaw, Gunfighter Cast, as a challenge for running while I'm journeying through here free of charge. I will be buying my Nike Gizmo, what's it, and joining you guys so that you can see that I'm barely moving on the planet, but uh, it won't be much of a challenge, but I'll be in the number. So back to Maryland. You know, Maryland's like the eighth smallest state and it's closest in size to Hawaii, the next smallest state. Um, the next largest state is our neighbor, West Virginia, which is like twice the size of us. It has a whole bunch of different stuff in the little state of Maryland. That's why it has a nickname, America in miniature. We got sandy dunes with seagrass in the east, low marshlands. We got wildlife. We got large, bald cypress pine groves in the mountains to the west. And we got a lot of stuff here. And our gun laws suck. Did you know that back in 1629, George Calvert, the first Lord of Baltimore, um, actually tried to create a colony of Catholics in the New World, and it was going to be in Maryland. That's where we get the name Mary Land. It's from the Virgin Mary. Maryland's got some funky history. 1860, Maryland's free black population was almost 50% of the people. And this made us loyal to the Union during the American Civil War. Because Maryland remained in the Union, it was exempted from the anti-slavery provisions of the Emancipation Proclamation, which only applied to states in rebellion January 1st, 1863. You know, some funky stuff about the Emancipation Proclamation total abolition of slavery was finalized by the 13th Amendment, which took effect in December 1865. And while the proclamation had freed most of the slaves as a war measure, it had not made slavery illegal. The border states, except Kentucky, had already passed legislation prohibiting slavery. But in Kentucky, Delaware, and West Virginia, slavery continued to be legal until December 18, 1865, when the 13th Amendment went into effect. Folks just don't even realize how that wasn't that long ago and how we just don't celebrate some stuff and glaze over it. But hey, I digress. That's your history, baby. All right, if you carry concealed in your state of residence, I'm not sure whether Maryland reciprocates. Um, right now, we don't have any out-of-residence permits and the application for a permit to carry you have to go through the Secretary of State Police, and it's it's arduous. You got to submit a notarized letter stating the reason why you are applying for the permit, in addition to fingerprint card and the application form. Yeah, it's tough. It takes a whole investigation, at least six months worth. I had one for about six months. And it was a, I mean, I had to do a whole bunch of song and dance and actually called my wife to see whether it was okay for me to have a permit. Yeah, they did. But you don't need a permit to transport one to or from a place of legal purchase. Um, you don't need one to transport one to a bona fide residence or between that and a place of business. If you own it, you don't have to have a permit if you're traveling to or from a target shoot or hunting, trapping or dog obedience training class or show. You don't need a permit if you are a bona fide gun collector 
moving part of your collection. And if you do do the transportation, it's going to have to be unloaded and carried in an enclosed case or enclosed holster. Most of the stuff is really against handguns. We got like a handgun roster board, which permits some firearms to come into the city, I mean into the state, and some not be. So you can see like a really cool gun in Guns and Ammo magazine or SWAT magazine or read about something really cool on uh, Concealed Carry magazine, and it might not be approved in Maryland. The ones that are really like jacked up over are the ones they consider to be assault pistols. And uh, they include like AA Arms, AP9, Bushmaster, Claridge High Tech, D-Max Industries, Incom, MK4, MP9, MP45, H&K, SP89, Holmes, MP83, the Ingram Mac 10 or 11, or any variation, uh, the Partisan Avenger, the SWD Cobra, the Intratech Tech 9, the DC9, the PAWS, the Scorpion, the Spectre, the Uzi, the Weaver Arms, Nighthawk, and the Wilkinson Arms, the Linda. They kind of went through the back of like a gun magazine and all the ones in a certain section, they got stuck on the list. And after June 1st, 1994, it's unlawful to sell, offer to sell, transfer, or receive any firearm magazine except a two magazine for a 22 that will hold more than 20 rounds. But possession is not prohibited. Just can't sell it, transfer, or receive it. We've got a whole bunch of miscellaneous stuff. Like uh, persons wishing to sell or display firearms at gun shows must have a trader's license unless they can present an exhibitor's affidavit stipulating that they, number one, derive less than 10% of the income from the sale of firearms, and two, have not participated in more than three shows during the previous year. Or 365 days. Yeah. The Maryland State Legislature has reserved it to itself and denied to county and local governments the right to regulate possession, sale, carry, and transportation of firearms. So, any arbitrary, bogus, non-productive, freedom-snatching, Prohibitive gun law can be created by the Maryland State Legislature at any time. And if it wasn't for people like Second Amendment Foundations, Alan Gurl and Alan Gottlieb, we'd have even more stuff going down. But there are some pro-Second Amendment groups in Maryland. And if you want to get involved, step to the mic. And FYI, we don't have open carry in Maryland either. Let's see, did I miss anything? Uh, rifles and shotguns? If you transport them, they have to be unloaded. And it's a crime to wear or carry openly any rifle or shotgun with the intent or purpose of unlawfully injuring a person. Duh. I know that, right? But that's, they actually spell that crap out. Believe it or not, Maryland um, doesn't even like treat their law enforcement right either. Sheriffs and their deputies are exempted only while on active assignment engaged in law enforcement and only with respect to handguns, which they are duly authorized to wear, carry, or transport as part of their official equipment. Isn't that something? So, even though I'm a son of the Commonwealth of Virginia, I've been in Maryland a while, and I stick it out here because someday we'll all be free. And I can't abandon people. You gotta work where you're what did they tell me in ministry seminary? You got to bloom where you're planted. So, us Marylanders got to work this thing out. Just like New Jersey's people, just like Illinois' people, just like Californians. We'll get there. We're doing good, y'all. If you want to get some up-to-date stuff, um, one of the first places I check is the NRA, ILA, firearms laws. They have them by state and I believe Alan Corwin has some really good references for all the gun laws in the states. Check him out and just do a Google search. There are so many. I mean, all the intelligent people are gun people, so there's resources out the yin-yang for stuff like that. So I don't even have to list them all. But start with NRA 
ILA.org, and you can go from there. All right, where can we go from here? We talked about Maryland, we talked about uh, security, and we talked about Dear Barbara. I actually gave you the rundown about Black Man with a Gun and the Urban Shooter podcast, which up and in between, you're going to hear some, I guess, references still to the Urban Shooter podcast because that thing was on for four years. So it's kind of ingrained in me and ingrained in all the little sweeps and beds and songs and themes I got. So it's you won't be wrong if you say it. It's just uh, we're just going to work it out. As I get more money, I can pay for uh, more production, some more studio time to get those things done. Last week, I asked a question and uh, I got the best listeners because you guys got cojones, man. You got to stand up. When they ask something and then you just jump right on it on Facebook. My Facebook site is uh, Ken Blanchard, K-E-N-N-B-L-A-N-C-H-A-R-D. And I appreciate that. We got a new Black Man with a Gun fan page. There is a host of the Urban Shooter podcast and there's a couple of other ones. I think Talon did one for me. And I respectfully ask for all you guys to go to the new Black Man with a Gun page and populate that one. That's going to be the main one. If we can siphon and get everybody to move from the other ones to this one, that'd be like really cool. That's what I'm doing. I'm trying to consolidate, bringing everything back together. Well, what happened is I made a comment about people dressing up like Nazis or Confederate soldiers. And I want to know what you thought. Well, Aaron from White Plains, New York, sent me a really cool and educated thought. And I'm going to share it with you. It says, Ken... Going to the Knob Creek machine gun shoot was for me a truly ultimate experience as a gun owner and enthusiast. I went there in late 2008 and early 2009 and felt safe and welcome among the thousands of other attendees. I don't recall seeing much in the way of neo-Nazi people, propaganda, or merchandise. But then again, I wasn't looking for it. Unlike the SLPC reps and various left-wing journalists, and he's referring to the article that I read in my news segment from the New Gun Week that said that some of the uh, pro-gun machine gun shoots also had a contingent of folks dressed in Nazi regalia or Confederate stuff, and there were skinheads and other stuff there too, which gave a bad um, light to pro-Second Amendment people. And the observation was, what did you think? So he's responding and he says, and of the people manning those tables and buying the merchandise, he suspects that only the tiniest fraction would really like to see America become a Nazi state, complete with ethnic cleansing and and death camps. In his opinion, the vast majority of neo-Nazi wannabes are simply fascinated by the idea of being the bad guy because wearing the black hat or iron cross is simply, in quotations, cooler. But very few of these people really have thought this through. They see the legions of well-equipped soldiers parading through Berlin and streaming through occupied territory. They admire the sleek aesthetic of German hardware and their advanced technology and sneer in contempt at the warm and fuzzy designs. Man, getting all choked up. Warm and fuzzy designs of American rifles, the crude appearance of the Russian arms and the finicky quirks of the Japanese guns. And they see a badly beaten nation rise from its ashes to become Great, again. But here's what they don't see. An army that transported more tonnage with horses than Wehrmacht vehicles. Strategic planners that gave their men outdated bolt-action rifles and inadequate winter gear. A well-oiled military mired in Russian mud and trapped in Soviet cities. An irrational commander-in-chief who forced his troops to make suicidal stands when all hope was lost while frequently failing to send reinforcements to exploit frontline breakthroughs. And on the home front, those newsreel legions of saluting citizens were rallying out of fear of their furor, not love. Their newfound prosperity was driven by the fever of a wartime economy underpinned by forcibly confiscated wealth and slave labor. Do any of these hardcore admirers of the Third Reich, however few in number, realize that Nazism is really national socialism and that if they didn't voluntarily surrender their wealth and pledge their lives to the cause, 
they'd be killed just as surely as the supposed undesirables. That a climate of fear would pervade their everyday life and anything they said offhand could trigger a visit from the secret police. Or that the very guns would be or the very guns would they come to Kentucky to show off, gawk at, and play with would be taken away with a bonus execution for good measure. Told you this guy was sharp. It's the height of ignorance to think that resurrecting the Third Reich would make their world any better. But it's equally ignorant to let the outward appearances of a small percentage of attendees tar all gun owners with the same brush. The people that run these shoots are patriots, business people, and lovers of the First and Second Amendments. Outright banning of any merchandise, however undesirable, would go against those principles. It's a war of ideas, Ken. We win it by simply turning our backs on the retailers of hate. We win it by separating the enjoyment of a dead regime's weaponry from admiring their politics. And we win it by educating people about the full implications, the twisted evil, the unsustainable economics, the unsustainable economics and the climate of terror that every raised right hand represents. Sincerely, Aaron of White Plains, New York. Dude. Awesome response. You know why I say it's awesome? Because it had to do with racism. It had to do with an ugly part of history that folks just don't want to talk about in public. I mean, he just, I can't talk about it with him. as in mixed company. You know, he might think bad about me. See, you got the wrong brother. Good job, Aaron. Thank you. The only way we can change things is to exchange ideas, to actually talk this thing out, to communicate. To the bone. Is that good with you? Is the cost of ammo bringing you down? Are you ready to have fun with your firearm again? If you need ammo, your friend and brother from a different mother has the answer. LuckyGunner.com Good prices. LuckyGunner.com If your time is valuable, LuckyGunner.com Order your ammo today. LuckyGunner.com Where you won't waste your time and the shipping is fast. It's 110% guaranteed. LuckyGunner.com All right, last up is Zombie Strike and... uh I can't believe you're still with me. I really appreciate you. I really do. The way you make me feel. I got a burning deep down inside. It's a love that I cannot hide. You know, our love is you and me, baby. That's what makes the world go round. And if I can keep you loving me, laying all my troubles down, then here I am, baby. Here I am. Sounds familiar, don't it? Yeah, it is a musical. It is a song. Al Green did it. Here's Bones Hook's version. I can't believe that it's real The way that you make me feel I'm burning deep down inside I love that I cannot hide I love is Take much for me 
before my cup runs over. Oh, there's so much love inside of me, girl. I know it's gonna be an explosion. Oh, baby, talk to me. I can do worrying. Tell me all your troubles, and you won't ever have to worry. Just one more thing, you can't trust everybody. Everybody you see, or you find yourself lost, lost and alone on a one-way street. Take me by the hand, show me. Here I am, baby. Squeeze me. Here I am. Come and take me. This is Zombie Strike. Part 9, Chapter 90, Truth Compound, South Africa, 7 July 2011, 1900 hours local, countdown, 5 months, 24 days. Mateo Cortez had Rachel close as she cried quietly. The promised doctors finally arrived that morning. They brought Rachel in shortly after breakfast. The doctors went over Rachel's x-rays and whatever other information the truth gave them, and then inspected the damage themselves. It nearly drove Mateo mad. He forced himself to keep an encouraging smile on his face for Rachel as the two doctors talked to each other in low German. Then came the prognosis. They would have to re-break the legs to properly set them. Probably six to eight weeks with the legs immobilized in heavy cast. Months of physical therapy afterwards. Even then, Rachel would probably never regain the full use of her legs. To their credit, the doctors tried to be as kind as possible delivering the news, but to no avail. Rachel's hopes were just as shattered as her legs. Worse, she knew her inability to move trapped Mateo in the compound better than if the truth just put them in a jail cell. Mateo didn't tell Rachel about the minion that said he was working on breaking them out. Mateo trusted Rachel, but he was sure the room was bugged. He also wasn't sure the minion could be trusted. Rachel knew something was going on and took Mateo's silence to mean that he didn't trust her. No matter what Mateo said, Rachel sank deeper and deeper into a black depression. All Mateo could do was try and comfort her as best he could. He raged inside. The door knocked to signal that dinner had arrived. Mateo reluctantly laid Rachel down on the bed and walked over to the apartment's front door. A man in a porter's uniform pushed a cart into the apartment followed by three men in business suits. Mateo recognized the two large ones as part of the security team that regularly swept the apartment. Mateo hadn't seen the last one before. Where's Cassandra? Mateo asked, expecting to see the diminutive woman storm through the door. She suddenly became ill, the new man said. Mateo's eyes froze as he heard the voice. It was the same voice that told him two days ago to prepare for a breakout. The man turned to the porter, pushing the food cart. That will be all, steward. We can take care of it from here. Without another word, the porter walked out of the room. The two thugs started their security sweep. What the hell is going on? Mateo demanded quietly. We know that zombie strike is in South Africa but we lost contact with our man in Cape Town before he managed to meet up with him. It could be something mundane 
or it could be as he was discovered. It pushed things up a bit. The man looked around uncomfortably. As soon as the goon squad goes into the bathroom, I need you to deal with them. How exactly am I supposed to do that? Mateo asked. The man's eyes fell on the covered dish. Mateo took off the metal cover. An HK-45 with suppressor was lying on the white china plate. Mateo snatched the weapon and tucked it into the back of his pants. What are you going to be doing while I'm taking out the boys? Putting your woman into a deep sleep, the man answered. It's the only way we'll be able to transport her with her injuries. Mateo understood, but he didn't like it. Mateo walked back toward where the two thugs were doing their search of the kitchen. They ignored him as he followed them through the apartment. As soon as both stepped into the bathroom, Mateo smoothly drew the German pistol. They didn't even notice as he put single rounds into their heads. Mateo was startled by the lack of noise. Normally, suppressors just cut the sound down to a manageable roar. The sound of the slide cycling was louder than the gunshots on this pistol. Mateo quickly frisked the two dead men and came away with a pair of unfamiliar pistols and extra magazines. He wrapped all the weapons in a bath towel. As Mateo came back into the bedroom, the man was wrapping Rachel in a brown blanket. The porter was helping. Mateo bit down a protest. He was committed now. He had to trust his new allies. Where did you get that suppressor? Mateo asked. You think the truth is the only group that can work magic? The man asked in reply. Okay, I'm Jack. That's Porter. The simple plan is that he's going to carry Rachel. I'm going to lead you out and you're going to kill anyone I point at. Why am I the shooter? Mateo asked. Because you're the only one with actual combat experience, Jack answered as he helped Porter lift Rachel up onto his shoulders. Who else do we have? Mateo asked, looking at the two men. The three of us are going to have a hard time once the alarm goes out. Listen, this little rescue is blowing some assets that M&W has spent years getting into place. You'll excuse me if I keep you on a need-to-know basis. If everything goes Charlie Foxtrot, I'm hoping we can keep our, some of our assets in place. Jack motioned for the small group to move out of the apartment. One last thing, Jack said as the three entered the hallway. If it looks like I'm about to fall into the bad guy's hands, please kill me or try to. I know too many of our people in this place. Mateo just nodded. Jack, Mateo, and Porter walked down the hall casually. The hallway looked like it could have come out of a mid to high priced hotel. Fortunately, it was deserted. Jack motioned for the others to move quickly to her stairwell. Jack held the door open as Mateo cleared the landing. Mateo could hear voices in the stairwell, but they sounded at least two floors down. We go down one floor and go into room 444, Jack whispered. Kill anyone that gets in our way. Mateo nodded and led the trio down the stairs. He kept the HK-45 ready for any threat. The voices below continued to grow softer. Mateo's breathing relaxed a hair. They must be going down. Two less people he'd have to kill. Mateo didn't like killing people, even the truth's minions. About the only person he actually wanted to kill was Giant. The stairwell opened onto a nearly identical hall to the one they just left. Room 444 was maybe five doors down from the stairwell. Satisfied that the hallway was empty, Mateo dashed to the room's door. Jack and Porter followed as Mateo covered them with his pistol. Jack jammed a keycard into the lock and shoved the door open. Porter and Mateo followed him in. The room was similar in layout to the apartment, but it was lavishly furnished and decorated. Everything screamed expensive. Porter set Rachel down on a soft leather couch. Jack collapsed into the recliner, clearly exhausted from the stress. Mateo started to clear the small suite. He'd gone maybe a few steps when he heard the faint humming. Jack, there's something in here, Mateo said. Jack bolted upright. Kelly shouldn't have beaten us here, Jack said. Mateo nodded grimly and crept towards the source of the humming. Jack followed quietly behind him. The two came to the slightly ajar bedroom door. 
The humming was definitely coming from inside. Mateo motioned for Jack to stand back. Mateo slammed the door open with a swift kick and strode into the room. He quickly acquired the source. A small round man in a white bathrobe looked up in surprise. Mateo froze as he recognized the tiny man. He lowered his pistol. Dr. Di Castilla? Mateo asked. It had been two years since Mateo had last seen the man. It was Zombie Strike's first mission when they faced off against Zipizin on the island near Hawaii. Dr. Di Castilla was a Spanish archaeologist that had been trapped by the zombies. He'd helped Zombie Strike find their way to the temple and then disappeared. Mateo, the doctor asked, what are you doing here? Come on, we gotta go, Mateo said, motioning for the small man to follow him. Jack burst into the room, his eyes locked onto Dr. Di Castilla. Kill him, Jack screeched. That's... Jack was flung out of the room by an invisible force before he could finish his sentence. Mateo whirled on Dr. Di Castilla, bringing up his HK-45. The small man flicked his hand and the pistol was torn out of Mateo's grasp. Mateo lunged to grab the doctor. Dr. Di Castilla ducked under the blow and slammed a tiny palm into Mateo's side. The blow felt like someone had taken a sledgehammer to his side. Mateo collapsed trying to regain his breath in between spasms of pain. Mateo, why didn't you just stay in your room? Dr. Di Castilla asked, his voice full of disappointment. Who are you? Mateo asked, between gasp. Well, at this point, I guess there's no point of hiding. It's not like you're going anywhere, Dr. Di Castilla said. He bent down to look into Mateo's eyes. I am Castle. I lead the truth. I am Zypitotec's greatest acolyte. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Da. Ta. Obrigado. Gracias. Merci. Shishini. Domo origato. Donkashon. Shukran. Grazie. And any other way I can say thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Black Man with the Gun podcast. This is your friend and your brother, Ken Blanchard, hoping that you'll stick around again and watch me grow this thing, do what I do. Big shout out to crossbreedholsters.com, to Joel, to Nick, to Derek, outstanding writer and friend, to Rob on the West Coast, to the entire GRN and Mark Vandenberg. All right, I screwed up on that one. But still love you guys. To Gary in New Jersey. Sister Callaway. Barbara Baird. Aaron, thank you, bro. To Ryan. To Tat. Carson in Canada. To Miles. Lewis. Layla. Chad. Tom. Richard. Thanks, Blue Sheepdog. To Art. To Frank, my new brother. To Pastor Daniel. To the Green family. The Flanagan family, to Mark, to Tim, Chase, to my cousin David in California, to Jason, David, to Zakia, to the brothers in Georgia, to all the USA members, to the truckers, Richard and Bob, to Scott, and finally, you. Thank you for listening. If you have a skill and you want to be a part of what I got going on with In the Wilderness Christian Mission that will basically fund everything I do, it's also going to become one big nonprofit. We're going to be a giant organization someday. Well, maybe not giant, just big enough that it works, that all this stuff helps us, our cause. If you can... If you can see a spot that you're a good administrator, writer, poster, blogger, director, wannabe, you want to be part of the movement, graphics person, web savvy person, helper in general, send me a note. I could use your help. No longer going to do this thing on my own. Not supposed to. Send it to Black Man with a Gun 
at gmail.com. I had a real good day fishing, but man, it was hot. I probably caught close to 70 fish, real nice size too. My neighbor is having a cookout and a fish fry on Saturday, so I just wheeled the whole cooler up to him. He was shocked. He wasn't ready for that. But um, that's part of Ken 4.0. Not about me. You know, I lost some friends doing every upgrade because I didn't know what I was doing, but uh, I'm working on it. The most important entity in this life are relationships. Everything else is just places and things. Until next week, this is your friend and brother from different mother, Ken Blanchard. Shalom, baby. This concludes another weekly edition of the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thanks for listening. Feel free to leave Ken a review on iTunes about the show. Join the forum on blackmanwithagun.info or comment on the show notes on kenblanchard.com. Hey, I forgot to let you know, if you want to check out the new videos for Ken Blanchard Live, look for Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O, forward slash Ken Blanchard for the new station. There's only two videos there now, but hopefully um, every week I'll get a little bit better at this thing. Also, if you're listening, check out for the Zombie Strike podcast. It's its own podcast from one to about 85 right now, and you can get all those back episodes of Zombie Strike on zombiestrike.us. Also, in the Wilderness Ministries, the Christian podcast from yours truly. But all that will soon be together. Somehow, we all get this thing going. Thanks for listening. Oh my gosh, look at that fluffy unicorn!